0: Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we gather before you today, and we're just so thankful that you are in our lives. God, I pray that we would build our lives on you, on the rock. Would we build our lives on that which is eternal, on that which matters? Would we build our lives on your love and be led by your grace and your compassion and your mercy, God? Help us not to build our lives on the things that don't matter, the things that are here today and gone tomorrow. Help us to invest in what lasts for all eternity. God, as we turn to your word now today, I pray that you would speak to us. God, would you fill this place, would you open our eyes to see what you want us to see and our ears to hear what you want us to hear and give us a heart that is ready to obey all that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Worship team, you may be seated, everyone. Good morning. Good to see you all. Welcome to Alpine Church. I just want to let you know, if you're a student, if you're in fusion age, 7th through 12th grade, uh, right now there is a class going on uh, for you in room two. So if you want to go and head over to that, you may. Uh, Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Scott Krebs. I'm a teaching pastor here at Alpine, and I'm excited to be with you here today. If you are new with us, this is your first time at Alpine Church. We're so glad that you've chosen this Sunday to be at Alpine. We're all about helping people pursue God. So wherever you are in that journey, we wanna help you take the next step. And today, in our time together today, we're gonna talk about, in our series, on the Ten Commandments. That's what we've been going over. Uh, We've been going one at a time through the Ten Commandments, and I'm excited to talk to you today about the Eighth Commandment, the Eighth Commandment. And so uh, the Eighth Commandment is one that uh, is very interesting and it's one that seems pretty obviously wrong to us. And the Eighth Commandment is pretty simply, don't steal, don't steal. Now, it's, it seems pretty obvious to most people that it's not okay to take stuff that doesn't belong to you, uh, but that doesn't mean that we, 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 quit, that we uh, never try as humans. And there are a, a lot of people who steal and a lot of people who do so foolishly. I want to share one of those people with you right now. Uh, some years ago, this guy named Robert Strank walked into the Huntington Bank in Beaver Creek, Ohio. He went into the bank with a plan to rob it. He had a letter in his pocket that said, hi, I don't exactly know what it said, but something along the lines of, hi, I'm going to rob this bank, give me all your money. And so uh, he went into the bank, didn't have a ski mask or anything on, just was normally dressed, walked into the bank, got in line, very polite robber, which I appreciate, got in line, and as he was in line, he fainted, passed out, right there, in the middle of the bank. And so the tellers saw this. They were concerned about this customer who had passed out. And so they called an ambulance. And as the ambulance was on its way, Robert came to but was not going to be deterred from his plan. So he weakly stood up pulled out his paper and handed it to the teller and said, Hi, I'm trying to rob you. It was about that time the ambulance showed up and uh, they began to, they checked him out, they took a look at him, said he was okay, and handed him over to the police who kindly took him to jail. Now, Robert is not the sharpest thief in the world, is he? Uh, but he's not only guilty of breaking the law, but he's guilty of breaking the eighth commandment, which is don't steal. And that's what we want to talk about today. Now, probably when I told you we were going to talk about this, or maybe if you've been following along, you knew today we were going to talk about Stealing, not stealing, you probably thought, wow, this is great. Finally, finally, we're at one of these commandments that I can feel good about. Because if we're all honest, right, we'll admit that we've broken a lot of the Ten Commandments. I don't always worship God like I should. I don't always make God number one in my life. I've used God's name in vain before. I've lusted. I've been angry. I've dishonored my parents. But when I read the Eighth Commandment, my first thought is, I'm not a thief. So this is great. And the reality is, is that 86% of Americans claim that they have fully lived up to the demands of the Eighth Commandment. So most of you in this room are feeling really good right now, right? Well, here's the thing. My plan today is to burst your bubble, all right? All right. I want you to walk away today feeling and knowing that you have broken the eighth commandment. And it's not because I don't love you, because I do, but I want you to hear what God's word has to say. Because theft and stealing is a real problem in our world, in our hearts. It's a problem in our world. We've all Seen the videos on Amazon or on Facebook of people stealing like Amazon packages from the front door, right? We know that that goes on. I, as I was uh, decorating our house this weekend, I remembered when I was a kid one Thanksgiving weekend after we decorated our home. Our family came back from a a night out. We came back to our house only to notice that two of our toy soldiers had been stolen off our front lawn. Uh, Merry Christmas to us, right? And so there is stealing that goes on, um, but the Eighth Commandment goes a lot deeper than that. So what I want to do with you today is I want to talk about the Eighth Commandment. I want to talk about what it meant for the people who first heard it, and I want to talk about what it means for you and me today. So, let's look at the 8th commandment. It's really simple. You can memorize it here today. Exodus 20:15 says, "You must not steal. Don't steal. Thou shalt not steal." If you want to use the King James version, right? Now, remember how the 10 commandments came about? Moses, the leader of the Israelites, is on top of Mount Sinai. God gives him the law, God gives him the Ten Commandments, it's written in stone by God's, by God's own hand, His, own, uh, his, his own, He creates these Ten Commandments, He puts them into being. Uh, Moses brings the law down and He delivers it to the people. And uh, the Israelites were supposed to follow the Ten Commandments because they, this was for their good. You might remember if you were here in week one. The Ten Commandments start off by God saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I love you. I'm on your side. I care about you. And here's how to live a life that is going to be good and joyful and profitable. And it begins with the Ten Commandments. These were God's demands on His people. And so, when the Israelites heard the Eighth Command, they knew that God meant don't take things that don't belong to you, whether it's property, food, animals, or money. Don't take stuff if it's not yours, right? That's the heart of the Eighth Commandment. Now, there are lots of ways that this was applied in the Old Testament. There are lots of examples of people breaking the Eighth Commandment. For example, in the, old, in the ancient world, sometimes people would move their boundary markers on their property in the middle of the night. So, in the ancient world, you didn't have like vinyl fencing or anything like that, right? And, uh, and so, uh, people to mark off their property, they would put stones or other markers out there. And if you were dishonest, then you might, in the middle of the night or when no one was looking, you might move the stones to give yourself a little more property. It's sort of like the ancient version of building your fence on your neighbor's property, right? To enlarge your borders. That's what was going on in the ancient world. It's a violation of the Eighth Commandment. Another violation of the Eighth Commandment, do not steal. Another violation is kidnapping. If you kidnap someone, that's, you're stealing them. That's wrong. That's against the law whether you steal them into slavery, into servanthood, or if you steal them for marriage. That happened a lot in the ancient world. If you wanted to marry someone and they didn't want to marry you, just kidnap them, and uh, that would solve the problem. And so God says, though, that's wrong, that's not right. So if you've ever seen the the old movie, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, violates the Eighth Commandment right there. So don't watch it this holiday season, okay, because that is against God's law. Another way that you might break the Eighth Commandment is if you were a shopkeeper and you had dishonest scales. In the ancient world, they didn't have money, so they would trade goods, and the way you would make the trade is you would weigh it out. I'll give you so much of this for so much of that, and we'd put them on scales and weigh them. And most shopkeepers, they had scales that would make items seem heavier than they were, and they had scales that would make items seem lighter than they were. That's dishonest. That's stealing. Violates the Eighth Commandment. Another way that people would violate the Eighth Commandment is by selling products that were no good, that were diluted. So a, a person might sell grain, but he might fill the bag with a lot of chaff to dilute it and to make it less valuable. God says that's stealing. You're, you're claiming to sell something to someone, and it's not what, it, what you claim it is. I can only imagine what God would say about many of the products on Amazon that are junk, but, uh, you know, that's, that was the, the law in the ancient world. And then one other way in the ancient world that you could break the Eighth Commandment is by loaning someone money and charging them exorbitant interest. Especially wealthy people would charge poor people exorbitant interest rates. And God said that is usury, it's a sin, and it's a violation of the Eighth Commandment. Now, in the Bible, if you stole, if you violated the Eighth Commandment, the punishment was you had to pay the value of whatever you stole And then you also had to pay the value that you would have received had you sold it to somebody else. So, for example, let's say you stole a cow, and the cow was worth $100, you would have to make restitution. Your punishment would be to pay $200 to the person you stole from, $100 for their cow, and then the $100 that you would have made as profit. And that was to say, this is really bad. Don't do it. You're breaking the fabric of our society. And so, you know, it's going to hurt if you're going to steal. Now, of course, if you stole a person, the punishment would be a little more severe, but that's how things went. So that's what the Eighth Commandment meant for the Israelites, for the people in the Old Testament. But what I want to spend the rest of our time talking about is what does the Eighth Commandment mean for you and me today? How should we think about it? How should we apply it? Is it true that 86% of us have really fulfilled all the demands of the Eighth Commandment? The answer to that is, I don't think so, because I think the Bible teaches us pretty clearly that we are all modern day thieves. We're all modern day thieves, and not like the fun Aladdin kind of a thief. That's not what I mean, all right? You know, we're not like that. We are thieves. We break the eighth commandment. Yesterday, um, I was reminded of this yesterday. Somebody confessed to me, a friend of mine, and she, she said that, so yesterday she had to go to the store. And she had to buy a birthday present for her daughter to take to a birthday party. So they went to the store, they bought the birthday present, they bought a bag to put the present in, and then she wanted to get a card too. But she didn't want to buy like a $6 Hallmark card, she just wanted to buy one of those like, you know the little blank cards that kind of go with gift bags, those little, like, little, like less than a quarter sheet of paper, just like a little, little nothing piece of paper. She wanted to get one of those for a card, and so she picked it up and she looked at the back of it and it said it was a $1.50 for this little nothing piece of paper it was a $1.50 and her first thought was i'm just going to steal this cuz this is ridiculous this is ridiculous this is not worth a $1.50 i'm just going to steal it that was her first thought now she didn't do that and i'm really glad she didn't do it cuz she's my wife okay <laughs> and that would have been really bad Bruce, if you could edit out this part of the video, I would really <laughs> appreciate that. But my wife was going to break the Eighth Commandment, and then she said, she decided not to. But, but we all have that like little, like, this isn't fair, I'm going to take this. That's violation of the Eighth Commandment. Let me walk through you all the different ways, or many of the ways, that we break the Eighth Commandment. And uh, this is going to be kind of small on the screen, so I'll... I'll uh, share these as they come up, and you can find these on our website. The first is this, stealing from employees. The Bible has severe warnings for those who steal from their employees. So if you're an employee right now, this is, this is a really good moment for you, okay? Right now, this is, this is as good as it's going to get this morning, because in James 5, 4, it says this, "'For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay.'" The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You see, what's going on here in the New Testament is James is picturing those who are landowners, and he's picturing crooked, unjust landowners, and he's telling them, You have not paid your workers what you owe them, you have not paid them their due. And it's not only that they're upset and they're angry about this, but God Himself knows what you've done. God Himself has seen what you've done. Their cries, their appeals for help have reached the ears of the Lord, and it's not even just the Lord, it's the Lord of heaven's armies, (laughs) general God, right? God in charge with His mighty angels. And He's going to come and get you because God hates injustice, especially when that injustice is against those who are poor, those who are in need. And so what does this mean for us today? It means if you're an employer and you fail to pay people what you owe them, you have violated the Eighth Commandment. You have broken God's law. If you fail to give people what is due them, you have broken the Eighth Commandment. If you don't give them an honest wage, if you cheat people out of the benefits that are supposed to come to them, all of these are violations of the Eighth Commandment. You are stealing from your employees and God notices. Now the other side of that, another way we steal is that we steal from employers. If you're an employee, you can also be guilty of theft. God condemns stealing from your job and there's all kinds of ways that employees steal at work, isn't there? They might embezzle funds, they might pad their expense report, wrongfully taking stuff from work like office items or tools, right? tools start to go missing, equipment starts to go missing, employees are stealing it. It's, st- it's theft, it's wrong. It's a violation of the Eighth Commandment. Not only that kind of theft, but other ways you might steal at work or stealing time, stealing time at work when you're supposed to be working and you're not working, um, calling in sick when you aren't, leaving early or showing up late without permission. This is theft. You're getting paid for something that you're not doing, that you're claiming that you've done but you haven't. And the thing about stealing at work is it often starts really small and then can get really big. Um, Gilberto Escamilla worked for the Cameron County Juvenile Detention Center. And for nine years, he worked in the kitchen of the detention center. And for nine years, every week, he would steal some of the fajita meat from the prison. And he would turn around and sell it on the street. And after nine years, he was caught stealing the fajita meat, and prosecutors figured that in nine years, he had stolen $1.2 million worth of fajita meat. That's a lot of meat. That's a lot of meat. And he was found guilty, went to jail 50 years, 50 years for stealing fajita meat. Little, little crime starts small and gets really big. That's what happens when you violate the Eighth Commandment. Don't steal from employee, employers. A third way we might steal is stealing from society. Now, what do I mean, stealing from society? This is one that the Bible explains pretty clearly in 2 Thessalonians. It says, "'Even while we were with you,' this is the Apostle Paul writing, "'even while we were with you, we gave you this command, "'those unwilling to work will not get to eat. "'Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, "'refusing to work and meddling in other people's business.'" We command such people and urge them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and work to earn their own living. If you are capable of working, if you are able to work, and you refuse to work, you are stealing from society. You're telling the church, your family, or society, pay for me, and you're refusing to work, and the Bible says that is stealing. It's breaking the eighth commandment. And it gives some rationale for that. Look what happens when you don't work and you're idle, when you have nothing going on. What do you do? You you meddle in other people's business. You become a pest. You become you become annoying. You you start to stir up drama because you don't have anything to do all day. No, God's not talking about people who are not able to work because of medical reasons or some other compelling reason that they can't work. He's talking about people who are able to work and refuse to, you know, people who just live in their parents' basements, play Fortnite, watch Disney Plus, and that's all they want to do. You're stealing. Stop it. Quit it. Breaking the Eighth Commandment, stealing from society. Another way that we steal, fraud and embezzlement. There are all kinds of ways to defraud people in the modern world. More technology means more ways to commit fraud. Check fraud, writing bad checks. Internet sales fraud, selling fake or counterfeit items. Uh, Taking money for items online and then not shipping them. Identity theft, pyramid schemes like Bernie Madoff. Insurance fraud, charity fraud. We could come up with more and more frauds that that are committed all the time. The list goes on. And then there's embezzlement, Right? mishandling money that is put into your care. Either people invest in you in some way and you mishandle their money, or you're just an employee. You work at a store. You take money out of the cash register. You are in charge of payroll and you create fake employees, or you take money out of payroll taxes, or you know somehow you you, you just take money here and there from, from your company in, in all kinds of creative different ways. A friend of mine, he uh, runs a cybersecurity business, and he told me that pretty much all cyber uh, security crime that employees do, it all kind of happens the same way. It starts off that some employee at a company has a need. You know, he needs to pay medical bills. He, he, has, some, he has to pay for some house repair or something, and he doesn't have the money. And so he thinks, I need $2,000. I know I can steal $2,000 from work. And he does it. He steals $2,000 from work, and then what happens? Nothing happens. He gets away with it. And so he steals another 2000 and another 2000 and pretty soon you have $1.2 million worth of fajita meat, right? <laughs> he says that's what happens over and over again. The people who steal from their, their employers, they're just like us. They're just normal people who are in a tough spot, panic, start breaking God's law, start stealing, and then get in way over their heads. So fraud, embezzlement, all these are violations of the Eighth Commandment. In fact, that's why as a church you should know as a church, um, we try to have the greatest transparent, transparency and integrity possible with the way that we handle money here at church, the way we handle your generosity. We're part of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability which um, has a, uh, a level of accountability that it puts on Alpine that's much higher than what the federal government requires. It creates uh, much, many more checks and balances, much more transparency, makes us have a lot more integrity than even the federal government requires. And the reason we do that is to show that we are honest with your money. And so one question for you to ha- ask yourself is how honest, how much integrity do I have when I have money that's not mine, when I handle money that's not mine? Another way that we break the Eighth Commandment, tax evasion. You knew that was going to come. I feel like family feud a little bit right here. Like, and what's the next most popular way to steal? Tax evasion. Now, how many of you love the federal government in Congress? You don't need to raise your hands because no one would put their hands up, right? I, I don't love a lot about our government. You don't love about, a lot about your government, but we still have to pay taxes. Not just because if we don't pay taxes, we're going to go to jail, but because God requires that of us. In Matthew 22, some people said, Jesus, do we have to pay taxes? If we're God's people, do we have to pay taxes? And God said, Jesus said, rather, God, uh, everything that belongs to God goes to God, but what belongs to Caesar, which represents the federal government in that day, what belongs to Caesar should be given to Caesar. In other words, Jesus says, look, your greatest duty is to God, but you also have a duty to the government. you got to pay your taxes doesn't matter if you like Caesar, it doesn't matter if you dislike Caesar, it doesn't matter if if Caesar hates Christians, you still got to pay your taxes. And so as Christians, God expects you to pay your taxes, and if you try to evade those taxes, if you try to illegally get out of paying them, you're stealing, you're breaking the Eighth Commandment. Another way that we steal is through intellectual property. We steal intellectual property. You steal a paper at school, claim it as your own. Download a paper online, I guess, and claim it as your own. That's stealing intellectual property. Copy, I remember doing this in junior high. Copy someone's homework, turn it in as your own. That's stealing. It's wrong, it's a sin. Somebody has an idea at work, and you steal that coworker's idea, and you pitch it as your own. Don't give them credit. You find an idea online, you present it as your own at a business meeting, you take credit for it. That's stealing intellectual theft. It's a crime for the US, before the U.S. government, and it's a crime before God to steal intellectual property. A couple more. This one is a little different. Stealing love. Stealing love. Another way that you and I can break the Eighth Commandment is to steal love. Now, the government's never going to arrest you for stealing love, but it's a, it's a sin in God's eyes. Stealing love is when you think how you might steal in a relationship. You manipulate people to get love out of them. Love is supposed to be a gift, but you force it. You demand it. You throw a pity party. You complain a lot. You whine about how your partner doesn't love you enough. You demand love. You demand compassion. Instead of letting love be a gift, you demand it, and you fight and complain until you get what you want. It's stealing love. And one more way that we steal, robbing God robbing God. Did you know that it's possible to rob God? Malachi talks about this in Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 in the Old Testament. Here's what it says. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. See what's going on in the book of Malachi is the Israelites, God's people, they were supposed to give 10%, they were supposed to tithe off their income to God. That was part of God's law. It was part of their agreement with God called a covenant with God that they willfully went into with God. And they said, yes, God, we'll follow your law, we'll follow your commandments. And part of that was to tithe, give 10% to God. But In this day, at this time, the Israelites, by and large, had stopped doing that. They'd stopped giving to God. They stopped supporting the work of the temple and the work of the priests. They refused to give 10%. And God says, you have cheated me. You have robbed me of what is due me. As a result, the Israelite society was falling apart. Economically, they were devastated. And God says, the whole reason that you are economically falling apart and having all these problems is because you have cheated me. And so, if you're a Christian here today, you need to ask yourself, do you rob God? Now, we're under a different situation than the Israelites in the Old Testament. You know, we're not under the Old Testament law in the same way, but God still commands and tells us to be generous. So, are you generous with the money you have? Do you give to God's kingdom, to God's church, to those in need, the poor? If you say, no, what's mine is mine. I'll give God my time on Sunday. I might even give Him an hour in kids' church, but I'm not going to give Him any of my money. That's mine. I earned it. You're robbing God. You're breaking the Eighth Commandment. And so there's all these ways that we rob God, all these ways we break the Eighth Commandment. And that's why I say that all of us are modern-day thieves, because we all fall short in one way or the other, especially when you... Remember how Jesus handles the Ten Commandments? Jesus says... In order to violate the seventh commandment, don't commit adultery, you don't have to just commit adultery. You could just lust after a woman in your heart, and now you've broken the seventh commandment. I think it's the same with anger and murder. I think it's the same with stealing as you fantasize and plot, and in your heart, even steal. In God's eyes, it's a sin. And so, what are we supposed to do? The bad news is we're all sinners one of the things that the Ten Commandments shows us is that we're all sinners. We all need God's help. The good news is that God's here to help us. You know, the message of Jesus, the story of Jesus, of course, is that Jesus was born on this earth. We're going to celebrate that at the end of the month. Jesus, God himself, the Son of God, came to earth, lived a sinless life, meaning he followed all of God's commandments. He followed all the Ten Commandments. He never broke one, not even one. He perfectly fulfilled God's law. And then his life was cut short because he was murdered on a cross. He was arrested and murdered for a crime he didn't commit, went through a sham trial, but he died on the cross to pay for our sins because God understood the only way for us to, the only way for us to deal with our sin is to really, we can't do anything. We can't be good enough. We can't be religious enough. We can't be moral enough to, uh, to make up for all the sin, whether it's by violating any of the Ten Commandments or any other part of God's law. We can't be good enough for God. And so Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins. And the Bible says that if you believe, if you trust in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, that his sacrifice on the cross pays for your sin, you will have eternal life. And when the way we know that's true is because Jesus didn't stay dead after three days, he was raised from the dead and he's alive today. And so if you're hearing this message today and you're like, I am a, I'm a thief, I want to say, Yes, you are. So am I. <laughs> So is everyone around you. But Jesus is greater than our sin, and He can save you if you trust in Him. And when you have that understanding, and when you have that truth in your life, and you have God's love in your heart, then we can go one step further. The solution to stealing is a habit of generosity. You see, God says, God doesn't just say, hey, just don't break the eighth commandment. God tells us to develop a habit, a lifestyle of generosity. Let's look at one more verse. Ephesians 4:28, it says this: It says, "If you are a thief, quit stealing." You want to know what that means? It means if you steal things, stop it. <laughs> stop it. If one of those things I listed you're doing, or you've done, quit it. <laughs> Don't do it anymore. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. God says, get to work. Put down the TV remote and the game controller. Get to work and give generously to others in need. See, God's antidote to stealing is a life of generosity. Stealing, when you steal, you value a possession more than a person. You look at a person's possessions, what they have, and you say that's more important than who they are. But if you're a generous person, you value a person over their possessions. Let me end here. Let me just end with this. One way to look at this that's very helpful for me and maybe it's helpful for you. There are three ways to look at stuff. The first way is what's yours is mine. That's what we call stealing. That's what we teach our kids in preschool not to do, (laughs) right? Older brother says to younger brother, those are my Legos, and takes them from younger brother's hands. What's yours is mine. That's stealing. That's wrong. We all know that. We all get that. But there's another way to look at your stuff that's also wrong, and that's the, the attitude that says what's mine is mine. That's selfishness. If you say, everything I have, my money, my stuff, I earned it, it's mine to do what I want with, that's selfishness. Because it fails to consider something very important, that everything doesn't be- that you have doesn't ultimately belong to you, ultimately it belongs to God. Everything we have, we have been entrusted to from God. It's His. And so God wants us to move beyond what's mine is mine, which is selfishness. God wants us to get to what's mine is God's that's an attitude of generosity. The attitude that says everything I have, whether it's a little or a lot, everything is a gift from God. And really all I am is a manager of God's resources in my life. All I am is a steward of God's resources in my life. And here's the great thing. Here's the great secret. God lets us keep like the vast majority of it to do whatever we want with. It's really just a pretty little amount that God wants us to give to him, give to the church, give to help those in need. The vast majority of it, God says, hey, use it how you want to use it, as long as it's, you know, God-honoring. But when we begin to look at stuff differently and say, what's mine is God's, then we begin to have that heart of generosity that God wants for us. That's the point of the Eighth Commandment. It's to push us away from selfishness and stealing and to develop in God's people a heart that is generous, a heart that says, missions week, packing meals for kids, $80,000, no problem, let's do it. A heart that says, there's people in my small group who need help. Maybe I'm in their life so I can help them. People that say, God's calling us to to Syracuse and to, to build a church building in Syracuse to reach more people, I'm all in. When you realize what's yours is God's, you're going to become a generous person. And that's my prayer for all of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we are generous. Lord, that out of the fact that we see what you have done for us and how you have loved us and how you have been so generous and gracious to us, may we be generous to other people. Lord, as we've just thought through today, the Eighth Commandment and what it means in our lives and what it can look like in our lives to break it, Lord, as you have revealed to us our sin, help us admit that now to you. Help us to be dissatisfied with a life of sin and stealing. Help us instead to see how generous you are to us, how Jesus died in our place for our sins. And may that generosity come into our lives, transform us and change us, and lead us to be generous people every day. We love you, Lord. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to move now to a time of communion. We practice communion once a month here at Alpine Church. And we do that because communion is a way for us to remember what Jesus has done for us, how he died on the cross for our sins, and how he took our place on that cross. We practice communion because Jesus instituted it. In 1 Corinthians 12, or 1 Corinthians 11, rather, we read, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, That the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we're going to do here in just a moment at Alpine. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you trust in him and him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, then I want to invite you forward. Either the table's up here or the table's in the back in just a moment. Take a wafer which represents the body of Christ, which is broken for you, and you can dip it into the juice which represents the blood of Christ which was shed on your behalf. And we participate in communion today as a church family. You know, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. doesn't matter who you are and where you come from, what you've done or what you haven't done. We're all equal before the cross. And so if uh, you trust in Jesus as your Savior, then this time is for you, and we invite you to participate in communion with us. Would you pray with me one more time? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your Son to die in our place. Thank you, Jesus, that you took on the shame of the cross that you went all the way to rescue us from our sins. And thank you that we can have new life in you. I pray that this act of communion today would be an act of worship and praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.